Today, both the CPU power available and also the algorithms available means that you can optimize functions that was not easy to optimize in the past. For your particular type of software, find the areas that you really can automate with machine learning and build up a little team that are able to work with that. So this is another in a series of conversations that I'm having with Oyston Moen, who is the long-term chief executive and chairman of Visma. And fortunately for me, maybe not fortunately for him, a good friend of mine, we've known each other for a long period of time, over 16, 16 or so years. More relevant is that Oyston has got 40 years plus experience in the technology, particularly the software industry in Europe. And we're using that experience to really give some views on both the kind of past things that have happened in the kind of last four or five years, and in this case, in the kind of future. We're trying to look to the future and ask a couple of questions about what might be happening kind of five and 10 years from now and what the important trends are. So Oyston, welcome again. So turning to the future this time, could you comment about some of the technology trends that you see and how you think they might influence what is happening to software or even cloud software, you know, maybe over the next few years, maybe things we won't see really impact consumer lives or small business lives for a while, but things that you're working on and that people you know are working on at the moment within Visma or elsewhere? I think what we will see more and more of is all kind of automation. Elon Musk says that input is error. That's a little hard maybe, but, but consumers and users do not want to input things twice or over and over again. Yeah. They expect the system to understand what they mean, so they like to do as little input as possible. Yeah. So we will see that in, in various forms. And maybe the first stage is to have systems with very good APIs, that is, programming interface so it's easy for other software to, to interface. We see that on quite a few of our own ERP systems know that 80% of input is coming from other software through yeah. APIs. And this just now in 21. I, I think this will just develop so that in a few years, high 90% of input is actually coming from other software automatically. Yeah. So if data or information exists somewhere, I think customers and users expect the system to retrieve that data automatically so yeah. they don't have to input it. Yeah, which so, presumably as well reduces errors, you know, reduces kind of frustration on behalf of yeah. both the importer yeah. and, and the user as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so much data exists already and with good APIs and any software you want to survive in the future will have good APIs. For software vendors, it has impact on how they charge for the software their per-user or per-seat model is going to be meaningless in the future. Yeah. As most of the data and most of the consumption of the software is, is done by other software. Yeah. So, so you will be much more um, even revenue sharing from the other software vendors and it's all transactional volume-based pricing. Yeah. So that is one thing, having very good APIs, making sure that data that exists somewhere are taken in automatically. But then we see a lot of happening, of course, in the space that is widely known as AI, yeah. artificial intelligence, which are a lot of different things. And in business software, I, I think we see particularly three areas that uh, are interesting. One is machine learning, yeah. the other is optimization, and the third is natural uh, language processing. Yeah. 
So if you start with machine learning, machine learning is to use to categorize and to understand patterns and to, to see what's, uh, what's understand what's happening. So one example where, at least in financial software, where you typically use machine learning is that you have invoices coming in, yeah. still quite some on paper or PDFs, and you want a software who a machine learning algorithm can read those invoices and understand what is what. This is the amount, this yeah. is the due date, this is the account number, and so on and so on. And when uh, the document is read, and we are getting quite close to 100% correct reading now. Yeah, uh, Then if you have received invoices from a certain vendor, from the telecom company, most likely that, that invoice shall be booked as telecom expense. Yeah. And in a cloud system, you can look not only on one company's transactions, you can look on transaction of hundred thousands of companies yeah. and see how they are booking. So with the machine learning, the machine can learn how these invoices are being booked in the past. So we have come to a stage now that we, with more than 98% correct, can predict how to book an invoice. Yeah. And then as you come to 98, 99% correct booking, you probably have passed the correctness of people are booking manually anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Particularly yeah. for small users, I would say that if they book correct 90% of the case, I think we're lucky. I, I would... Uh... Yeah, or maybe their, their <laughs> correctness is down to 60-70%, so if machine learning can automatically book incoming invoices and expenses with 98-99% correct, yeah. well, they can automate a lot yeah. and improve the quality of, of the accounting. Yeah. So that is one example using then machine learning for that. As a software company, you can buy off-the-shelf or use off-the-shelf machine learning algorithms, but we have found out that it's very good to also develop your own algorithms, and we have spent now soon 10 years on building up our machine learning capabilities, yeah. both on the algorithm, but also the training and the data sets. Yeah. So as a software vendor, yes, you can go to Azure or Google or Amazon and just use some machine learning off the shelf from, from the data centers. But that doesn't mean that you produce something useful. Yeah. It takes quite a long time to hone the skills and really for that particular application yeah. to really get the, the kind of level of safe and successful automation you want. Yeah. But we see that this is going to be important. I, I think that in bookkeeping, for instance, most bookkeeping will be done automatically in the, in the coming years. And ERP systems that don't have that machine learning will, of course, be less successful. Yeah. The second topic I mentioned was optimization. Yeah. That is a classic operational uh, way, but it's typically about operating how you are routing transport, how you are optimizing how you're using a warehouse, and how you're optimizing driving, and today, both the CPU power available and also the algorithms available means that you can optimize functions that was not easy to optimize in the past. Yeah. In many cases, particularly those working with logistics, all kind of driving and routing, you need to use optimization to maybe save 10, 20, 30% of the time spent on certain tasks. So this could be routing of trucks or logistics, it could be routing of people, nurses, doctors yes. in home care settings. Yeah. Optimization of using of 
for instance, all the staff in a big hospital, yeah. all the surgery theaters, all the resources, you can save 20-30% of the resources if you do optimization properly. Similarly, school timetabling, school yes. resources, mm. teachers at the yeah. right place at the right yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, A lot of areas where today can use optimization to both automate things that they tried to plan or manually before and got quite crap, crap results from this manual planning, actually. I remember a teacher of mine, this is going back mm. a few years, <laughs> back in the 70s, literally would mm. spend four weeks of the summer holiday doing nothing but the timetable plan for, for a not particularly big school. He was a, quite yeah. a techie guy and was prepared to spend his holiday doing that, but literally four weeks for a kind of thousand pupil school. Yeah, my father was headmaster on a primary school, quite easy timetabling yeah. really, but he spent four weeks every summer. Unbelievable. And on a not very optimized result. Yeah. <laughs> this can all be optimized in a couple of minutes. Absolutely. It, uh, and, uh, and you can take everything into consideration, so it's both efficient and also fair. Yeah. And taking all the labor rules in, in consideration, all, all the things. Yeah. So optimization is an area of its own with a special algorithms and you need, well, kids with that kind of education. Yeah. But in many areas of software, you find opportunities to optimize their, their, their function. Yeah. The third area is a natural language understanding. And that has come very far the last five years, I would say with particularly Google uh, as the pioneer on uh, natural language processing. Yeah. So that more and more help centers, you will typically use email or chats for communication. And we see already now on support that 80% of incoming, well, chats or, or calls can be handled automatically by chat robot. Yeah. And that means you're getting all, they're always very fast response. In the cases that the chat robot isn't really able, then humans behind can take over the more complicated cases. Well, more complicated and potentially kind of more satisfying stuff. I can't imagine being in a call center and having to respond 27 times a day to how do I kind of change my password. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> not 27, but 127 yeah, at least. Exactly. Yeah, So change your password has been very much automated and more and more banks, software vendors, all kind of areas. We see chatbots using natural language processing automating, improve customer service, and also improve the quality of, of uh, work life for the people uh, working there. So those three areas, I think all software companies should excel in uh, machine learning, uh, optimization, and uh, NLP. Terrific. So if I was running a good SaaS business today, how do you think I should be thinking about investment in those areas, and I guess AI, well, generally, you know, should I have a certain percentage of my kind of development resources? Should I be trying to kind of tap into kind of university resources or West Coast, Google, Amazon, et cetera? Kind of how, how do you kind of start if you are maybe at the very start of that journey and, and not got too far down the line so far? If I was running a SaaS software business today uh, and that was not super advanced, I would at least start first stage one is to go to continuous development. Yeah. So you can uh, deploy new software uh, multiple of times per day. So that is stage one of becoming an advanced and modern cloud company. Secondly, I would make sure to have a very good uh, API offering. So it's easy for other software to integrate with you. Yeah. And uh, I think 
that was where really we start. Foundations. Foundations. Yeah. Have continuous delivery and have very good APIs. Yeah. Stage three is to start to build up machine learning capabilities. And there is a lot of good machine learning algorithms off the shelf. You have scikit-learn in the Python, all the three big Google, Amazon, and Azure offering very good uh, algorithms. Yeah. So you, and you can use those algorithms and you have used them, trained them and used them for simple tasks, but you need to build up the capability in-house, I think. For the specific domain expertise that for, takes you from yes. 80, 85% or whatever yeah. to, to 90, 95% plus. Yeah. For your particular type of software, find the areas that you really can automate with machine learning and build up a little team that are able to work with that. Then some software should need for optimization. That is really specialized uh, algorithms. Yeah. So a normal programmer will not understand about that. And it, then you need people who are educated in this kind of operational resource and uh, it's a mathematical discipline really. It's not a new thing, it's old, but nowadays we also have uh, enough machine power to really use it. Yeah. And then Chatbots, you can also buy that, them off the shelf, really, and then it's more a matter of using them than, underst than understanding them, and, and you don't need to develop, develop that yourself. It's experience. Experience, yeah. yeah. A fourth area is maybe what we call software robots, because not all software is modern. Yeah. Quite often, you also have to interface with even old mainframe computing. Mm -hmm. A lot of old software where you need a lot of keystrokes to do inputs, and with software robots, you can mimic people sitting there typing. Yeah. And that has also been a very good area of automation in the later years, because it takes a while before all software become hyper-modern cloud software. Yeah. You probably have to live with old Windows software, or even old mainframe software, particularly bank, insurance, and so on. Yeah. Good thing about those old software, they don't change much. No. They're very stable. So the keystrokes, scraping of the screens is quite stable. Yeah. So that's why you can use those software robots. Terrific. Mm. Winston, great look into the future, great look into what I know Visma has been doing and you've been kind of focusing on for a number of years now. Mm. Uh, we've obviously as HG invested both via yourselves and other kind of investing companies and ourselves in data science and kind of machine learning kind of capability. And as a techie, I find it kind of incredibly exciting about where this could take us in the future and very optimistic about where it could take us as well. Thanks very much for your time mm. today. And thanks for this, you know, second or third in, uh, in a series of conversations. Thanks for listening to Orbit, the HG podcast. If you'd like to find out more about HG and our work building businesses that change how we all do business, subscribe to our newsletter at hgcapital.com forward slash newsletters.